Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. 1 Samuel this evening, chapter 21. David is on the run. You remember that uh, he's, he's in go mode. He's trying to flee his, uh, uh, the king who's after him, Saul. Uh, tragic uh, set of circumstances that have led to this point for David, really, in, in many ways. As Saul has just completely gotten sideways, not, no longer following God, no longer following God's purpose, no longer thinking about the things of God, but now is just uh, caught up in himself, and he's just trapped, and, and he's lashing out because really David is really now the anointed king, but is not in that role, is he? Saul's still in that role. Saul is doing everything he can to hang on to that role, but he's doing it all in the flesh. So he's tried to kill David a few different times now. David's now on the run. David has tried to, or Saul has tried to kill even his own son because of his relationship with David. And so this kind of is the scenario right now as it's starting to play out. You know, what's, what's happening in the, in the circumstance and the situation as, uh, as this starts to play out. So now David came to Nob which is a, a priestly city, basically an area where the priests live. It's just north of Jerusalem, to Ahimelech, the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, why are you alone and why is no one with you? Basically, where's the secret service? Where's, where's your, your guys? You know, because he knows he's one of, he's the, one, he's the king's son-in-law now, right? We know that he's the king's son-in-law. Not only is he the king's son-in-law, but he's a, 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 a man of valor, a, a warrior. He's a uh, a guy that, you know, goes out and, and leads many in, in war and battle. And so he normally would have his, basically, his entourage with him that travels with him. And now all of a sudden he, he shows up and is like, wow, what's up? That doesn't make sense. Where's the rest of the guys? You know, where's, the, where's everybody else? And so he's kind of, Ahimelech's a little bit suspicious of the situation. He's not sure, why are you here? Why are you here by yourself? This is just something that seems odd. Now, Verse 2 will ultimately be a very important verse. One, remember, David's on the run. Got to be wise, got to be careful when you're in a bind and you kind of end up a little bit on the run. This is, this is a recipe for, for bad things to happen. And so it's something to, to notice kind of this progression of what goes on here. Because verse 2 becomes a very pivotal verse in this portions of scripture that we're going to cover tonight. So David said to Ahimelech, the priest, the king has ordered me on some business. And he said to me, do not let anyone know this, this, anything about this, the business on which I send you or what I've commanded you. And I have directed my young men to such and such a place. He says, you know, you, I'm, I'm directing you guys around but this is what he's saying, that the king's given us this guidance. And this, now, there's speculation, we could say, is David flat out lying? 
I think yes, that's what I think, um, but that's me. I'm just pretty clear on that. It seems like it's just a straight-up lie. But maybe perchance, because we know David, David has a tendency to kind of spin some spiritual stuff around on something, and maybe he's got a little spiritual spin on this. Maybe the king did send him somewhere. But who's, who, which king are we talking about? Are we talking about the king of kings? Or are we talking about Saul? Are we, okay, so we know that really, we know in our hearts when we read this, you know, he, he's just fibbing. You know, he's not telling the truth in this situation. Um, he's on the run, but, you know, he, he's pretty concerned about disclosing something like that. Basically, he says, look, man, I'm on an undercover mission, and I can't really tell you all about what's going on, but this is, you know, he kind of leaves it at that. It ends up being a huge huge bummer, and we'll watch this unfold as why it's a big bummer, what the problem is with it. It's bad news from the get-go, and it's really dangerous stuff because he's not being factual about the situation, and it leads into a whole lot of other problems. So this is literally a spin zone, I think, that he's entering into. Now, therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or whatever can be found. He says, I'm looking, got a few guys with me. We're all real hungry. Got anything to eat? He's looking for something to eat. It, it's not complicated. He just wants some food. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. If the young men have not, if the young men have kept themselves from women, then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly, when, now, all of a sudden, now he's saying truly. I'm always concerned when people preface everything with let me be honest with you. Yeah, it's always a little bit of a concern. Uh, is there a reason why I should think you're not being honest with me? You know, whenever it's, you know, you get a lot of redundancy on that. I know these are just terminology that we, we, we use, but it's just a real redundancy of that leads to a little bit of concern. Is there a time when I should be wondering whether you're being honest with me? You know, so he now jumps in. Well, truly, really, this is the, you know, so the, which part was the story? Which part wasn't the story? What's the facts? Anybody who's had um, teenage kids knows how this can go, right? He's trying to find out. He goes, hey, truly, no, the guys have not. They've kept themselves from any women at least these last three days since they've been out traveling with me. And so there, there's, there should be no issue with that. And the bread is, in effect, common, even though it was consecrated in the, uh, in the vessel this day. So the priest gave him holy bread. For there was no bread there, but the showbread. And you remember how the showbread was set out in the um, tabernacle, which had been taken from before the Lord in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. So it says, we just, we, we, we traded out the bread. So, you know, really, I suppose we could give you that. Now, you remember this, this inquiry happened with Jesus. We got um, in Luke's gospel, uh, this got brought up, Matthew's gospel, this got brought up, possibly Mark too, but it got brought up in the gospels, and it, the question was, well, A, is this whole issue of, 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 of breaking the Sabbath and, and different issues, these things get brought up with Jesus, and Jesus said, well, wait a minute, let's look at this, let's find out really whether this was a fact. So Luke 6 um, is where, where we find it real quick, uh, Luke 6. If you hit John, you went too far. How do I know? I went too far. Um, verse 3. So the, the quite, let's read, we'll read the question. It's only a couple of verses. Now it happened on the second Sabbath after, after the first that he went through the grain fields and the disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them. 
rubbing them in their hands. You remember, they grab the grain, you know, and they, they, you rub it. You get the husk off of the kernel, and you can just eat the kernel. This is what they were, they were doing. And some of the Pharisees said to them, Why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? I always like this story. I, I really find it fascinating, and I know we've joked about it before, but I can't resist, okay? I just always picture walking around, you know, you're walking around with Jesus. You're just hanging out with him, and you're wandering around through this open field. I just picture myself wandering around through this open field, just talking to the Lord, grabbing some grain, you know, rubbing in your hands, you know, eating, and then boop, 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 these Pharisees pop up. Hey, what are you guys doing? You know, I mean, it's like, I mean, you think that's a pretty strange scenario, don't you think? Gosh, hey, guys, what are you doing here? I mean, it's just kind of one of those weird things. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I find that stuff kind of just funny how that just happens that way. They're out in this field, and all of a sudden, these Pharisees show up, you know? But isn't that the way a Ricky Rule Finder works? You know, they're just sin sniffers, and they're trying to find out what everybody else is doing wrong, you know? It's kind of a funny scenario, I think, is how it goes on. But Jesus answers them. He doesn't go, hey, guys, what are you doing here? That's kind of weird. But, you know, Jesus knows what they're up to, and have you not even read this, what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he went into the house of God, took and ate the showbread, and also gave some to those with him, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat? So, the emphasis of this, or the point of this, is here's a great example of human need and love taking the precedent Human need taking the precedent over tradition and ritual and legalism, where it sets in and it, the more important thing is to meet the need and to love and to care for someone. So it's kind of a neat uh, thing that we just see because we see this as something that's brought up uh, in Jesus, you know, and Jesus goes back to this exact scripture, this exact point in time when David is on the run. Again, David really has begun a bit of a slippery slope. This lie is an issue, and you'll see as we go through this how big an issue it is. And I say that because sometimes when we say something, and it's really not factual, and we're trying to kind of skirt the issue, as it were, and stuff, man, it can lead to a big mess, and we got to be careful and guard and be wise, because sometimes others can get hurt by this too, and that's what we're going to watch as this unfolds. Now, a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. So, Doeg, basically his name means like strikes fear or invokes fear or that kind of thing, just kind of fear. But the thing that's interesting about him, this chief of the herdsmen, is basically he was like his own little micro CIA guy. You know, he's like the, the CIA. He, had, he really kept an eye on what was going on in, in and around the kingdom, and he would report back to Saul about what was happening. And so it just happened. Now, now, David knows this dude. David knows who he is. This guy knows who David is. And he sees what's going on. Now, David said to Ahimelech, is there not here uh, on hand a spear or a sword? Because look, he's left without any weapon, remember? He just bolted. You know, he was out hiding behind the rock, remember? And then he met up with Jonathan. Jonathan shot his arrows, and then he took off, remember? Basically, that's the short version of that. It took us, what, an hour to get through that last time. But no, I can see, I can really say it a lot quicker. Some of you guys think, gosh, I wish you would. That'd be great. Um, 
So he's looking for a spear, a sword, or something, for I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. I had to get out of there right away, you know? Again, he's just kind of this, again, now he's elaborating on the story. You know, I mean, it just, it just kind of gets worse, doesn't it? So the priest said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod over there. I added the over there part. If you will take that, take it. For there is no other except that one here. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. I'll take that thing. That's awesome. And David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Now, let's start thinking about this. Break this down real quick. He is now slipping into a bit of a fleshy mode. Agreed? He's kind of, he's, he's, I know he's anointed king, I know all that, but he's slipping into a fleshy mode. He's, he's lying about what's going on. He's taking it upon himself to handle all these matters himself. He's plotting and he's grabbing regular weapons. Think about the weaponry that he just grabbed. The sword of Goliath. Remember what happened just a little bit back when he went up against Goliath? And Saul said, here, take my armor, take my equipment, take my stuff. Dude, that stuff doesn't even fit. I don't need it anyway. See the slingshot? I'm cool with this, man. I can do, do, do what I need to do with just this thing right here. So, you know, he, he's now, because what did he say? He's trusting in God. I've, I've, I've taken on bears. I've taken on lions. I'm, I'm not worried about it. I've, I, I can deal with this. You know, with my own weapon, I can take care of this myself. I'm going to trust God, basically, was his whole thing. But now he's not really trusting God. Yeah, I want that. Yes, I want the biggest sword you can find, and it looks like Goliath is it. That's perfect. Because he's not trusting in God. He's trusting in other things, and this is exactly what happens. It's this slippery slope down, not trusting God. You remember what, what was the weapons of our warfare? What was the weapons of our warfare? 2 Corinthians 10, 3-ish, maybe? You know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty and powerful. It's really, he's talking about prayer. You know, it's not the fleshy things that we can get our hands on. But see, he's, he's kind of slipped into that mode. He's not really dependent on God because he's dependent on himself. When he depends on himself, well, we got to fabricate what we got to fabricate. We got to create our scenarios and we got to make this all be whatever it's supposed to be. You know, and, and that's what he's gone into. He's slipped into that kind of a, a pattern and a mode. Believe me, this is just the beginning as we get, get going through this. Then David arose and fled from that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath, a Philistine city. Now he's going back to the world, basically. That's really what that's representing. He's just, he's just going back to the world. You know, interesting, this always leads to trouble, and we're going to see that as, it, as we go on. And the servants of Achish said to him, Again, David's a fairly recognizable fellow, don't you think? Now, Achish, he may be thinking in his mind, because well, you and I can say to ourselves, what in the world is he thinking going to Achish? Why would he go to the, the, the ruler of the Philistines in a city like it? Why would he go there? You know, this is an, an, an enemy, right? But they might have something a little more in common than what you think. Why is David on the run? Because a king is fearful of who he is that he might take over his spot. 
What did David do for Achish? He killed a big giant dude that might have been threatening and could have easily taken his spot. They might have a little bit more in common than what you might think when from a, a worldly perspective. I did you kind of a, a favor in a sense. I wiped out, you know, Goliath, you know, and, and now he's certainly not a threat to you and your rule. You know, it could be. I'm just giving you per chance. You know, we don't know exactly. That's conjecture, certainly. But you've got to back yourself into this a little bit and say, okay, what's really going on in this scenario? Because these are people just like you and me. We, we, we fancifully design this stuff in our minds like these people are, are, are you know, the untouchables or something. And Now, they're people like us, and this is painted in a picture, word picture, so we can see how did this play out? What might have been going on? Always, going back into the world is just going to be a bad thing. He's very recognizable, and he doesn't fit. Think about it. Look at the sword he's dragging around with him. <laughs> you know, well, I, dude, I think that was Goliath's sword, wasn't it? You know, you get what I'm saying? It's obvious. Do you realize that when believers slip back into the world, they're recognizable? They don't quite really fit. Do you realize that Christians that are backslidden have no home? Do you, do you really realize that? I've been this person many, many, many years ago, having given my life sincerely and really met the Lord at 12 years old, maybe 13 years old, really met the Lord, walked with the Lord for a good solid few years. But then as teenage years got on, I got a little more caught up and just ended up going into the world. But, you know, I, my friends used to kid me and tease me and call me the conscience because I actually had limit lines on a few things. I was like, man, dude, look at I'm uncomfortable with this, man. I'm out of here. Because I had a conscience about it. It was because I didn't, I didn't even understand it until I gave my life back to the Lord. But I realized it was because of God living within me. I wasn't like them. They didn't, most of them didn't know the Lord. So they didn't have the, that, any of that sense. I'm walking around with a big sword, the spirit of God and the presence of God's word dwelling within me. I didn't really fit. I was the most miserable because I wasn't in either place really. It's a truth. Know that. Know that when you're talking to somebody that, well, yeah, I knew about God. I'd give my life to God one time. But it just didn't really work out for all. Oh, you just know it. Inside yourself, know it. Trust me and know it. Know it if you've ever wandered off and, and, and struck out and got into sin for a while and realized oh, you're, how empty you feel again and stuff. And, and that you're really twice as miserable as anybody else because you really actually know the truth. It's an interesting, fascinating thing. And he's slipping back. It's obvious. He doesn't really fit. And so they said, hey, did they not sing of him to one another in, in dances saying, Saul is saying his thousands and David is 10,000. Now, David's starting to realize, man, I'm, I've gone back over to the world. I'm in trouble. I'm recognized. There's no way I can be incognito. I, I, I can't just fly stealth around in the things of the world. I'm marked out. You're marked out in the realm of the spirit and other people are going to pick up on it. It's an interesting, interesting thing. Very fascinating to me. Now, David took these words to heart. So he's realizing, wow, they know who I am. They know what's gone on. And now he is struck with fear. He was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Now what do I do? Now, now what do I do? This is, this is wild stuff, isn't it? Verse 13, what, what does he do? So he changed his behavior before them. He pretended madness in their hands, scratched at the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. 
And Achish said to his servants, Look, you see, the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? He says, look, it, I'm dealing with you guys. I don't need any more crazies around me. You know, this is kind of, and it's just a simple, he's just, I don't need this. You know, I wrote in my little side notes to myself, I wrote, man, it is always a mess when you go to the world. It's always a mess. It, it leads to elements of, of just insanity in, in your behavior. It makes no sense what you're doing. You fall back into the world, you're going to start doing stupid stuff like that. You can't be who you are. Now, they said of him, is this not David, the king of the land? Interesting. Now, he's not really king of the land, is he? Really? From a technical standpoint, you know, Saul is still ruling. But they, they certainly saw him as a warrior, as a leader. He was marked out, no doubt about it. Recognizable. Interesting, at this point right here, and when we read this, we think, oh man, this guy is just, what a mess he is. And it's true. But it's important for you to go and read Psalm 34 in conjunction with verses 13 and 14. I encourage you to make a notation of that. I encourage you to read that the next day or two. Just read Psalm 34. Psalm 34 was written as he turned away to go away from Achish. As he kind of went off into a, a quiet spot and got away into a more safe spot. This is before he got to the cave, but, but on his, en route toward the cave. He wrote Psalm 34. Very interesting. You know, there's a lot of things there in, in there about trusting in God instead of in yourself. I mean, there's just a ton of, it's packed with a lot of good. And when you read it in conjunction with a guy that's kind of slipping back a little bit, and I want to make this mention to you. I want to make this mention because I think it's important. Because when we read through the scriptures, we find David noted as a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. Now, is he a man that is replicating God's heart? In certain ways, yes, but you know what I like about it? If you just look at it, that he's, maybe he's really after something. And you start thinking it in that light. Boy, it really helped me to look at it and think of it in that way. No, he's a guy that's in pursuit of the heart of God. You start looking at it in that light, oh, that starts making a lot more sense. Because he was pretty messed up in a lot of ways, you know? We're, we're reading it. Don't you love this about the scripture? It portrays for you and me real people with real problems, dealing with it, working through it, making mistakes, but pursuing God. The key is, remember how we've talked? It doesn't matter to me where you are on the trail, just stay on the trail. The journey that you're on with Jesus. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. I know as you've been listening to the Word today that God uh, may very well be speaking to many of you, and maybe some of you just need to come back to the Lord. Maybe some of you need to give your life to the Lord who've never given your lives to the Lord. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, Jesus said that calling out to those who are burdened with the things of life, 
and Jesus wants us to come alongside with him. He is gentle and lowly in heart, and that's where we're going to really find rest for our souls. It's a simple prayer of faith, and I just want to pray this simple prayer along with you. So if you just want to pray this, whether you're driving or whether you're sitting at home or wherever you are, you might be in your office, you might have this coming on through your earbuds, but the Lord wants to make himself known to you and for you to have a personal relationship with him. I'm not talking about religion, I'm talking about a personal relationship. And it starts by just saying yes to Jesus and giving your life to him. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I wanna give my life to you. I wanna ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I wanna cast all my cares upon you knowing that you care for me. And I know that, uh, Lord, I feel weighted down and burdened by the things of this life, and, and I just want to have that newness of life. And so I ask that you'd come into my life and be my personal Lord and Savior. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior into my heart, and I ask that you would just continue that work that you've begun in my life right now. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And if you're social media savvy, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash calvarychapelkc. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store now, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Come, Lord Jesus, come.